Well, Big Serve is here, and we're entering into September uh, with a host of Big Serve projects as we adopt South Norfolk as the place where we do the primary activities of our service. Big Serve is designed uh, for our church family, whether you're at First Norfolk on Kempsville or First Norfolk on our Volvo location. Uh, make no mistake, God has brought the church uh, together so that we might be mobilized to help those in South Norfolk in practical ways, to provide specific needs, to rebuild porches and redo roofs and, uh, and, and have a block party. Uh, we've already begun some of these Big Serve projects, uh, but you need to be involved. And some of you have not yet uh, signed up to be involved in Big Serve. I just want to encourage you, uh, join us on this journey of serving others. This is part of what God has given us to do. Love Him, love God, love others, and live the mission. Big Serve is loving others and living the mission. And so I want to encourage you to get with your life group and, and go to bigserve.org, sign up for a project, or uh, if you're not yet in a life group, go to bigserve.org and punch that little button, say, this is the project that I want to be a part of. Uh, you can ask one of the staff about how to get engaged uh, in uh, Big Serve. But friends, one option that is not available to anybody who is part of this family, or if you've been just attending this family of faith, one option's not available, and that is to do nothing. Regardless of how old or how young we are, we can all do something to shine the light of God's glorious love to people who need to see it and feel it and know it. And Big Serve is one of the ways that we do that. So I want to challenge you and encourage you. I want to beg you, be a part of Big Serve. Uh, Edie and I get to do our first Big Serve project on Tuesday morning, and we're excited about that. We're, uh, we're excited about uh, all the other projects that we're going to be able to be a part of uh, through the month of September. Uh, so please, 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 if you're part of a life group, your life group is not engaged in a uh, project yet, recruit your life group uh, uh, family to be a part of a Big Serve and adopt a project, uh, or uh, just go on the bigserve.org and just start signing up and be a part of how God can use this church to literally change the world. Uh, that's why we're here. Uh, we're here not so that people think we're neat, cool, fine, and dandy. Uh, we are here to serve God's glory and to serve God's glory and serve Hampton Roads to literally change the world. And uh, if you're not here because of that, if there's some other reason you're here, I want to ask you to give it a try. Uh, when we start living our lives for God and others instead of ourselves, God changes us for the better. And I just want to encourage you. And by the way, that's, that's part of what being a disciple is all about. And if you're a follower of Jesus, being a disciple, uh, and, and I want our church to be a disciple-making machine, right? That's, that's, we glorify God by making disciples. That's our, that's our purpose. We glorify God by making disciples. Uh, I want our church to be a disciple-making machine. And one of the ways that, that we literally can make disciples is, is by serving together. There's something that happens uh, when you start painting a wall together. 
Uh, discipleship begins to happen, not in the painting process. I can't, I can't learn some things, and they certainly don't let me have hammers and saws at any of the projects. Uh, but, but what we begin to learn is when we work together for God's glory, we begin to learn from each other uh, the ups and downs, the challenges and the opportunities of being a follower of Jesus. So I want to encourage you, join us on this journey. Don't sit on the sidelines. You say, well, I'm not really sure that's for me. It is. It's for you. Let's go. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. It's going to be hard work. And, uh, And yet it will change the seven cities of Hampton Roads. It can do that. What would happen uh, if uh, 2,000 people in, in, at Fort First Norfolk on September 1 decided, we're going to make a difference. We're going to love God by loving others and living this mission. Things would begin to change. All right, so that's Big Serve. Uh, be sure and go to bigserve.org. And sign up. Uh, as a church, we pray together. That's one of, the, one of the core values that we have is we pray together. And, and we memorize Scripture together and encourage you to pick up one of the uh, memory Scripture cards at the end of each row. Take that. If, you're, if you haven't been memorizing Scripture with us, you can go ahead and start this week. Galatians 5, through 26. Several verses, but a lot of it you already know. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. I, some, I missed one in there, I'm sure. But anyway, that's part of it. So uh, that we memorize Scripture together, but we also pray together. How do we pray together during the week? Well, we take one minute at 1 o'clock each day, and we pray for a specific thing. What I want you to pray with us uh, uh, at 1 o'clock, uh, starting today and then tomorrow and every day this week, is pray for our life groups and and pray specifically for 50 life group leaders that we're hoping God will raise up and planning and recruiting uh, uh, for God to raise up from our church for a season Um, as as we begin September the 8th we're starting a sermon series called wisdom and out in the grand lobby you see these cards like this uh, wisdom uh, and we're going to do uh, some life groups uh, that deal with this sermon series. It's called Sermon-Based Curriculum. And, and the great thing about this is this series will speak to people who don't know God or, or uh, who are far from God or who have uh, interest in uh, truth but not really the spiritual stuff. Now, the reason this can speak to them is because we're going to be looking at a, uh, a book in the Bible called Proverbs. And Proverbs literally is um, uh, wisdom for everyday li- living. And, and so as we look at this wisdom for everyday living each week, starting next Sunday, we're going to be uh, um, applying it in a way that speaks uh, to our everyday life. But we're going to see the fuller picture and the bigger picture of how that uh, as we take God's Word and, and we submit ourselves to the wisdom that God has given us, uh, then we can experience the best kind of life that God has for us, the best kind of life that He has created for us to experience. Now, um, I want to encourage you to pray with me for these 50 life groups that uh, God is raising up. And, and maybe you need to be one of those life group leaders. I, 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 maybe, maybe you need to uh, go ahead and say, there's some people in my, in my work 
and they don't know anything about God, or maybe there's one that does. Or, uh, but I, I've been looking for a bridge to help them uh, see how wonderful God is. This could be that bridge. Uh, and all it takes is an invitation. Maybe you just take one of these cards and invite them to join you. You might say, well, I'm not a Bible scholar. How can I lead a Bible study? Oh, please. Uh, that is not a problem. Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit of God residing within you. We can give you whatever you need uh, to lead a Bible study uh, that is based upon the message that, that, will, uh, that will be shared. Uh, it will be a help to you, uh, but, uh, but the Spirit of God resides within you, and we believe that the Spirit of God speaks through His Word to everyone who is a follower of Jesus. Uh, the question is, will you listen? And if you'll listen, will you lead others to listen? That's what we're talking about, okay? So I uh, encourage you to be a part. By the way, this is what can literally change lives. People, do, people who are far from God, uh, who need to find life through faith in Christ, it may begin with just a simple invitation. Will you be part of this, this group that I'm starting? We're going to look for wisdom. And we're going to look at one of the ancient books uh, that uh, people have looked to for centuries to find wisdom for living. Um, now, by the way, let me just tell you, I'm not, uh, and if you've been with me for some time, you know this. If you haven't been with me at all, you might not know this. Uh, I'm not just going to give you some good advice about how to live your life. Um, and, and, and I don't think Proverbs, uh, the book of Proverbs, just gives us good advice about how to live our life. It shows us how we can take hold of wisdom, but wisdom, uh, wisdom is not a function of gray in my beard or bald on my head. Uh, wisdom is not a function of my experience or my age or your experience or your age. Wisdom is a function of my submission to the will and the way of God. And by the way, that's what we're going to look at next week in Proverbs 1. Um, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord means I submit myself to what God wants. I mean, God, God wants this. I'm going to submit myself to it. Uh, and that's what will lead to wisdom. So we're going to look at how God has designed life most supremely through the person of Jesus. And we're going to see how that we can live life that is wise and experience the kind of life that God has designed for us, which is most definitely the best kind of life, all right? Uh, so if you have struggles in your marriage or you have friends who have struggles in their marriage, we're going to find wisdom that speaks about how to navigate those struggles in marriage. Or you have struggles in your finances, uh, we're going to look at wisdom and how to navigate the struggles in finances. Or maybe you have struggles in, in your relationships, and we're going to evaluate, and we're going to look at the wisdom God gives on how to navigate the struggles in our relationships. Whatever that path is that you find obstacles in front of, I pray that God would use this these series of messages from his word to speak into those difficulties and either give you a different perspective or to give you a way of living that uh, helps you navigate uh, those obstacles. All right? Uh, so let's pray at 1 o'clock. Let's pray for these 50 leaders, and maybe you're one of them. And uh, if God is leading you to start one of these groups, then uh, be sure and see uh, Philip at the table, Philip Herring, who is our Minister of Education. You can see him in the Grand Lobby following this worship gathering. All right.
If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 13. Now, we have been doing not random messages, but uh, not really tied to a particular theme, although there is a theme that emerges from these messages. Two weeks ago, we looked at 2 John, uh, and we saw that the two ingredients for a healthy church and life are uh, truth and love, to walk in truth and to walk in love. Last week, we looked at 3 John, and again, uh, the idea of truth and love comes to the forefront, uh, and how that walking in truth and love is literally that which is good for our soul, the soul of the church and the soul of Eric Thomas. I want to walk in truth, and I want to walk in love. Now, today, we're, uh, before we start this Proverbs series, we're going to look at Romans chapter 13. We're going to lean into verses 11 through 14, but before we get there, I want to kind of give you a snapshot of how uh, the Apostle Paul gets to Romans chapter 13, verse 11. So this is going to be uh, a rather brief uh, summary of the highlights of Romans, all right? So uh, Romans, uh, this is a church that, uh, that is in, where do you think? Rome. Y'all are really on top of it, right? Okay, so it's Romans because it's a church in Rome. And Paul is writing this le- letter to this, these believers, this church in Rome. Now, Paul had never been to Rome to see these people. He had never met them. He had just corresponded with them. So he wanted to give them kind of a, a treatise, uh, an introduction of himself, but also, and more importantly, an introduction to the things of God. And so he begins in chapters 1 through 3, and he speaks about the problem every person, including you and, and, and me, the problem that every person has, and that problem is sin. And sin runs rampant through our soul and kills us one piece at a time. Because of sin, I'm dead already. Uh, sin uh, is, uh, carries with it a price tag, and that price tag is a, an eternal separation from God. And, and Paul just outlines this in chapters 1 through 3. Chapters 4 and 5, he begins to turn it around and he begins to show that, that where all humanity, including you and me, everybody in this room, we all have a problem, that is sin, and sin separates us from God. We can't fix that problem. You and I, we can't fix it uh, by being good enough or being better or stop being bad. All those efforts that we make at trying to make up for the sin in order to get to God fall short. And so Paul says, okay, and God says to us today, it's not the effort that we make in being more religious or more moral or better person or a, a less worse person, but rather it's what God has done for us in the person of Jesus Christ. So in Romans chapter 5, he says that God demonstrates his love for you and me in that while we were sinners... Christ died for us. So Jesus builds a bridge between sinners like you and me and a holy God. And Jesus builds that bridge through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Because Jesus was crucified for our sin, our sin has been paid for. Because he's been raised from the dead, we have been justified by faith in him. So here's the key for us, and this is Romans 6 and 7. The key for us is not that we do better at being better or that we do better at being less worse. The key for us is that we come to Jesus and we say our only hope in this life or in eternity is what you have done for me on a cross. Our only hope is that we would trust in Jesus, that by faith we would believe on him 
because even Abraham was justified by faith, that we would believe on Jesus as our only source of life, that we are dead apart from a relationship with God through faith in Christ. But it's not only faith in Jesus, but it's also repentance of sin. There's an old way of life that we need to push to the sidelines with all the dependencies that we have to, that, that we think are going to make us satisfied. We need to push those to the sidelines. We need to turn from our sin. We need to trust in Jesus, and we will be saved. Okay, And he hits on that in Romans chapter 10. He says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we all want to be saved. That's not a religious term. That is a very personal term. If I'm lost in the woods, I want to be saved. If I'm drowning in the sea, I want to be saved. If the house is on fire and I have no way out, I long to be saved, right. And so uh, God tells us that we can be saved from the sin that destines us for an eternity of death. We can be saved, but our Savior's name is Jesus. Not Eric Thomas, uh, not a denominational flavor of Christianity. It is Jesus Christ. All right. So, uh, in Romans chapter 8, Paul says, all right, so if you are a follower of Christ, here is the benefit, or here is the result of being a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, and here today, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to hear the words of what God makes alive in us, okay? Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Uh, I, this isn't the sermon. Romans 13, 11 through 14. I'm, this is all introduction. I know, right? Are you excited? The sermon is really short. The introduction is very long. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no, underline it, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death, for what the law could not do and is weak in the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who are walking not according to flesh but according to the Spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation. When I come to Christ in faith and repentance, he transforms me, he saves me, he gives me a new life that is freed from the condemnation that my sin had planted in my soul. You go down to Romans chapter 8, toward the end, he says, Therefore we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor things present nor things to come nor life nor death nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors. Through Christ, not because we have a will that makes things happen. We are more than conquerors through Christ who has given us life. In Romans chapters 9 through 11, he, uh, Paul uh, kind of has a parenthesis where he's talking about the relationship between uh, 
Jewish people and Jesus and how he wishes that those who are, share his ethnicity would become followers of Christ. He has deep theology there, but he turns in chapter 12 and he begins a new section. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul begins to speak with urgency. Uh, urgency to you and to me, I pray that we would hear it and feel it today. An urgency about the way of our life. And we've been talking about walking in truth and walking in love. We've been talking about how to live our lives um, in a conduct that is pleasing to God. And now we see the, the power for us to live in a way that's pleasing to God. It's what Jesus has done. It's what the spirit of life does for us. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says, therefore, I beg you. I beg you. Begging is not um, a rhetorical thing for Paul. He, he wasn't just trying to make a good speech. He wasn't trying to make it a good letter. When he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beg you. He said, I want you to know that this is important. I beg you by the mercies of God that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service of worship, and don't be conformed any longer to the mold of this world, but be transformed. Underline it. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove that which is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, so Paul says, I'm begging you to take hold of what is important. Uh, throughout the rest of chapter 12, he gives some exhortations and commands and then he closes it out, these exhortations, these, these way of life statements. And he says, now, verse uh, 11 of chapter 13. He says, and do this. Well, do what? Do this. Do what? Whenever you're reading scripture and it says, it has that little, uh, that uh, impersonal pronoun, this or that, and, 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 and you see this or that, go ahead and circle it and then say, well, what's this or that about? When, when Paul writes, and do this, you need to ask, well, do what? We're going to talk about that in a second. So, and do this knowing the time. That now, right now, now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of the darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, uh, not in uh, revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness nor lust, not in strife nor envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its desires. So as Paul is closing out, remember chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which your reasonable service of worship. He said, this is important. I want you to know, I'm, I want you to understand the importance of this. This is the way of life that every follower of Jesus should have. 
It is to be transformed, not conformed. It is to present ourselves a living sacrifice to God. A, 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 a living sacrifice. God, I am walking and living and breathing for you, for your glory. This is what's important. Now, in Romans 13, verse 11, he says, not only is it important, but it's urgent. It's urgent. And do this knowing the time. What makes this time so urgent? By the way, the urgency is not built on uh, uh, catastrophes that have happened. Urgency for us, as well as in Paul's letter, urgency is not built upon uh, the bank account, account is low, or urgency is not built on uh, the, uh, the, there are crazy people out there trying to do dangerous things. Now, uh, bank accounts may be low, and dangerous people are certainly out there trying to do dangerous things. Uh, the urgency is not built on my children are going off for their freshman year in college. <laughs> that, that's urgent, but that's not, that's, that's, that's not the kind of urgency that we have in this passage. See, the urgency that is birthed in us as followers of Jesus comes from a deeper well than just catastrophe or circumstance. This urgency is born out of hope, not despair. This urgency is born out of faith and not fear. This urgency is born out of the important becoming right now in our lives. And what is the important and what is the right now? That salvation to us is nearer than when we first believed. I, I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior and King when I turned 11 years old. I'm 52. 41 years later. Can I tell you that salvation that culmination of that conversion that began at the age of 11 that will be culminated when I meet Jesus face to face. Salvation is nearer to me today than it was when I was 11. You see that in the text? Salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. Hey, the urgent is you're going to meet Jesus pretty soon. And you need to be ready. I, I get emails all the time. I mean, lots of emails. And I know you do too. I, I get tons of emails. And um, often the emails that I get are very urgent to the, to the people who are sending me these, these emails. Okay? So they send me an email. They might even mark it urgent. I don't even, I, I don't even pay attention to that sign. You know, you, you can mark an email urgent. I don't even know what, like an exclamation point or red or bolded or something. You know, and urgent, 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 urgent. And, and it's very urgent to the person who sent it. Um, but it's not that urgent to me. Unless it connects to what is important in my life or in my job or in my ministry. And that. It's not a reflection on the person who sends it. That person is important, but not every request or need or desire that a person who sends me an email, not every need or desire rises to the level of uh, urgency which matches importance. But here, Romans 13, 
urgency matches that which is important. What is important? That we be transformed. That we live our lives presenting ourselves a a living sacrifice to God. That's the important thing. Why? Because that is how we live individually as followers of Christ to bring God glory. We want to bring God glory. And it's urgent because we're going to see Jesus soon and we need to be ready. The urgency matches the importance. And when urgent matches important, uh, uh, that which is of supreme importance to God, then we better get busy. So today I beg you, be urgent about this important thing. Now, what is this urgency? That we be transformed. That we look like Jesus, that we are ready to see Jesus, that we live our time from here to heaven, no longer coasting in spiritual lethargy, but that we would actually take seriously that which God wants us to take seriously. How we live with our neighbors, how we share our faith, how we talk to our friends about God's love, how we show and shine the good news of God's great grace, how we uh, take the good news around the world, literally across the street and around the world. These things are important to God. And so when God sends me an email, I better, better mark it as urgent and important. And that's exactly what we find here. This is urgent and this is important. When the urgency matches that which is of supreme importance to God, we better embrace it. And my question is, are you urgent today about what is important to God? What is priority to him? And we can be urgent about a lot of things. A lot of y'all were urgent about your football team yesterday, your college football team. I was too. University of Tennessee volunteers. They were not urgent. Not at any point in time. University of Tennessee volunteers lost to Georgia State. Don't want to take anything away from Georgia State, but Georgia State has a football program that's less than 10 years old. They had never won against a top five power ranking football team. Um, Tennessee got beat by Georgia State, they got manhandled by Georgia State. They lost their urgency. Somewhere, they lost it. And I pray, I actually, I don't pray. I hope they find it. But here's the thing. That's, that's a football team, no biggie. But when followers of Jesus lose their urgency, that's a big deal. That's devastating to the heart of the Father. So over the next couple of minutes, I want us to just kind of see how we can live in the urgency. And we're just going to take it straight from the text, okay? How do we live in the urgency? How do we live when that which is of supreme importance to God will become that which is important and urgent for us? It's the fourth quarter. It's the ninth inning. It's the last lap around the track before the finish. Now is the time to wake up. Friends, now is the time 
to wake up. And do this knowing the time that it is high time to awake out of your sleep. Now, you are sleeping in spiritual slumber when you don't care what God wants. You just want to get through your day, morning, noon, and night, go to sleep, say a prayer here and there, go to church, but you're not really looking to make a big splash for God. You're more interested in how God is going to take care of you than you are about how you're going to do what God wants. Can I tell you, that's sleeping. Uh, uh, it's time to wake up. It's like when my, uh, when my daughters were in the house and, and I would come in and, and Edith and I would come in at different times. But I would come in and I would say, uh, girls, I want you to go clean your room. Or girls, I want you to mop the kitchen. Or girls, I want you to vacuum the floor. And they would say, okay, Daddy. And they would stay there on the couch for the next three hours and not move. That's sleeping. And when we come to a place like this and we hear God say, Eric, I want you to, I want you to share your faith. Or Eric, I want you to put away your sin. Or Eric, I want you to... I want you to go across the street and invite your neighbor to church. Or, Eric, I want you to be a part of a life group. Or, I want you to start a new life group. Eric, I want you to, I want you to uh, stop being such a jerk at work. Eric, I want you to stop being so mean to your wife or to your children. And we say, okay, Daddy. And we never do anything about what he said. It's time to wake up. It's the fourth quarter. It's the ninth inning. It's the last lap around the track before the finish. Now is the time to wake up, and now is the time to love others. Now's the time to love others and do this. Do what? Right? Verse 11, Romans 13, 11. And do this. Do what? Well, look up in verse 8 of chapter 13. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, uh, you know, uh, shall, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law, verse 11, and do this. Do what? Love others. And we've talked about this. Ephesians 4, 32 through 5, 2. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. And live a life of love as dearly loved children. Just as Christ also gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice. To God, we are called to live a life of love. Are you loving others? Are you loving your children, loving your spouse, loving your coworker? Are you loving your friends? Are you loving your church friends? Are you loving your neighbors? Are you loving those down the street? Are you loving strangers the way Jesus loves? Guys, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Now is the time to love others. It's the fourth quarter. It's uh, the ninth inning. It's the last lap around the track before the finish of the race. Now is the time to cast off our sin. 
What is the sin that so easily ensnares you? Stop playing with it and kill it. And this is a daily journey. It's not one that that we arrive at at some point in time. It is a daily journey for us. We must kill our sin regularly, radically, and ruthlessly. There is sin in your life and in mine. It may be subtle sin. It may be silent sin. It may be sneaky sin, or it may be out loud sin. But guys, if you're going to live in the midst of an urgency that matches the priority that God gives them, we must Cast off our sin. No matter how old you are or how young you are, you've got a sin problem, as do I. Confession and repentance is the key. You and I have to be diligent to acknowledge our sin before the Lord, to confess it as sin, and to turn our backs on it and ask God by his power to slay that sin in our life. Here Paul says, let us cast off the works of the darkness and put on the armor of light. And he says there's lewdness and revelry and drunkenness, drunkenness, lewdness and lust, envy and strife. Uh, some of those are Las Vegas or Atlantic City type sins, and some of them are just normal everyday sin that you and I have to deal with even at church. But what is your sin? Not, not what's the sin everybody's committing out there. We love to yell at the sins of people out there. What is your sin? Got to cast it off. It's the fourth quarter, friends, the trumpet sounding. It's the ninth inning. Gabriel's horn is blasting. It's the last lap around the track before we hit the finish. And now is the time to put on Jesus. To put on Jesus. And it's the same thing as putting on the armor of light. It's, it's the same thing as being transformed in Romans 12 too. Put on Jesus. Put on Jesus. That means that we embrace him and he embraces us. That his way of life becomes our way of life. That, that his character becomes our character. That we submit ourselves to him. His righteousness covers us and makes us fit for God's family, but his character calls us to everyday action that looks more like him than it does Eric Thomas. i got to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its desires. Have you put on Jesus? Do you put on Jesus? See, we live in urgent times. Not because it's so bad out there. It's always been bad out there. We live in urgent times because the night is far spent and the day is at hand. We live in urgent times because there will be a day, and it could be this day, that we will see Jesus face to face, and we need to have lived the full measure of God's design for our lives this side of heaven. We want to honor the one who has given us life. This is important. And this is urgent. It's the fourth quarter, 
It's the ninth inning. It is the last lap around the track. Now is the time. Would you bow your heads with me, please? I want you, whether in at the Kemsville location or the Volvo location, I want you to listen with your heart and your ears open to the living God. If now is the time to wake up, what must Eric Thomas do today and commit to do today and every day in order to wake up? When Jesus was at the fourth quarter of his earthly ministry, when he was in the ninth inning of his earthly ministry, when he was rounding the last lap toward the finish of his earthly life, right before he hit the cross, what did he do to maintain vigilance? He prayed. Friends, would you be willing to commit this week every day this week to pray this prayer. Oh God, I present myself to you a living sacrifice. Oh God, show me how to serve you and I will do it. I present myself to you a living sacrifice. Every day this week, will you pray that prayer? And as we pray that prayer, I believe that the, that the living God by his Holy Spirit will open our eyes to see how that God is working in and through and around us, and we will be urgent for what is most important to him. Now is the time to wake up. Will you pray now is the time to love. Will you commit this week to go out of your way to serve in a sacrificial way someone else? And maybe it's something as simple as being kind. Maybe it's something as grand as, as sharing with somebody how that they can escape the penalty of their sin and find new life through faith in Christ. Will you commit to love others the way Jesus has loved you? Will you commit to do that this week? Pick a person and pick a way and just do it. Be kind, tenderhearted, be forgiving, live a life of love. Now is the time to wake up. Will you pray? Now is the time to love. Will you commit to love others the way Jesus has loved you? Now is the time to cast off your sin, and I want you to just deal with your sin here and now. What is the sin that so easily ensnares you? What is the weight of that sin that trips you up? What is that sin that is a constant reminder of your own fallenness? What is the sin? Will you confess it before a holy God and will you turn from it? Will you repent of it? Will you go so far as to find someone that you can share uh, the struggle of that sin and say, will you join me in this battle to kill this sin with me every day?
Now is the time to wake up. Will you pray? Now is the time to love. Will you love others the way Jesus has loved you? Pick a person this week and love them like Jesus this week. Now is the time to cast off our sin. Will you confess and repent your sin here and now, beginning right here, right now, and every day this week? Now is the time to put on Jesus. To be transformed, no longer conformed. Now is the time to put on the armor of light. How can you put on Jesus? Will you commit to spend time with him every day? You know, the more time I spend with my wife in communication and conversation and fun, and the more I get to know her heart, the more she gets to know my heart, the more I fall in love with her every day. Can I tell you that the key of being, conf- being transformed rather than conformed is spend more time with Jesus? Will you commit this week not to just read books about him, not just to read the Bible as a textbook about him, but will you talk with him? Will you open his word and ask the Spirit of God to show you Jesus through his word? And he will, and you will get to know his heart, and his heart will become beating in tune with your heart and yours with his, and you will look like Jesus. time to wake up. Let's pray. It's time to love. Let's pick somebody and love them this week. It's time to cast off our sin. Let's confess and repent. It's time. Now is the time to put on Jesus. Let's spend time with him every day.